All right, let's get our Bibles open to Galatians chapter 3. We are still uh, in Galatians. We're actually about halfway through or so. And uh, just, again, plumbing the depths of the gospel and what that's all about. And trust that that's uh, a blessing to you as much as it has been uh, to me for sure. And as you're kind of getting turned over there, i got a picture to throw up here to show you. Uh, these are uh, great friends of ours, of Ange and I. This is Tyler and Amber uh, Steingard. They are... Um, Friends of ours from our days in Barrie, actually, um, when I was up there and interviewing, Tyler was one of the very first guys I ever met, and he just made Ange and I uh, feel so, so welcome. And I actually worked with, with Amber, and she was, uh, she was on staff at the church and was my administrative uh, assistant there. And so they are great friends of ours, and uh, we, of course, know them and know their story a little bit. And just uh, exactly a month ago, uh, they had the amazing opportunity uh, to travel to Thailand and finalize what has been about a three-year process uh, of adopting that uh, beautiful little girl that you see right there, uh, Elsie, about 11 months old, uh, around her uh, one-year birthday, kind of as of today. And uh, this is actually, that picture is the very moment uh, that they met, that they were first introduced to her after years and years and years of of praying and wrestling and all of that, just incredible. I mean, we were, you know, because we know them so well and know a bit of their story and some of the details, it was actually a really emotional experience, even just watching uh, Tyler as he was showing on Instagram, just kind of the process and the pictures of that, uh, of that whole thing. They were in Thailand for a couple of weeks during all of that. And uh, to see the ups and downs of all of that and to know their journey and, you know, trying to, you know, she was sick at the time and teething and all of that. And they're just getting to know her and trying to bring her back over the border and making sure that, you know, the visas and all of that stuff is all sorted out. And then getting her, you know, uh, home and having her and getting familiar with her is just, I mean, outstanding. I mean, when you think about adoption, how awesome is that? You know, the really kind of funny and kind of crazy thing is that I just found out about 10 minutes ago uh, that today is actually, this weekend is National Adoption Weekend. Okay, how wild is that? Like, I didn't, I, I mean, I, I planned this series back in June. Like, I wasn't thinking about any of that, and here we are, you know, talking about it, and just found out uh, from Christina that, that this is the weekend and all of that. So just kind of, kind of wild the way that the Lord sometimes just works those things out and don't see coincidences in those things at all. Um, this, is, uh, this is him for sure. And again, adoption, I mean, how, how incredible is it? Somebody who is uh, from our church and who, uh, who is adopted was telling me just this week, he's like, yeah, we actually prefer the word chosen, right? I love that. That's just so good, right? And, and, and it's so good because it's such a clear picture of the gospel, such a, such a clear picture that, that uh, you know, of what God has done. It's such a clear uh, representation of our salvation. And our passage today actually uses the word adoption. It uses that very word to describe what, what our heavenly father has done when he calls us out of sin, when he calls us out of rebellion and all of our wandering away from him and he draws us into a relationship uh, with himself. And so this is the very thing that we're gonna be unpacking uh, here today. As again, we just explore the, the various different facets of, of what the gospel is really about. We can just never, never exhaust all of that. And so adoption, our adoption by God the Father uh, signals to us how we're supposed to relate to God. And then, of course, how he relates to us. This is just so crucial that we would uh, understand all of this because there is so much that we can enjoy 
uh, when we understand when our hearts are um, filled with gratitude over the the, uh, the adoption uh, that we have in uh, in the Lord. And so let's read this right now. This is uh, Galatians chapter three. We're going to be uh, starting in verse twenty six, reading down to four verse seven. So read along uh, with me here. It says, uh, "For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you." As were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he's the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Lord, we come before you, and what a joy it is to be able to come before you as our Father, as our Heavenly Father. And God, we are a people here who have varying experiences of what it means to have an earthly Father. Lord, and some of those relationships have been incredible, and some of those have been very difficult. And Father, I pray that as we get into your word here today and, and, and you show us exactly what you have done and, and the kind of God that you are and how much you love us and how much we get to enjoy because of the great news of the gospel, Lord, I pray that our hearts would, would be filled with wonder, Lord. I pray that our, that our hearts would be stirred up with this awesome reality that you love us, that we are children of God as we just sang. God, would you help our hearts as we struggle with this, as we, as we look to other things other than you for joy and fulfillment and peace and satisfaction and, and all of that, Lord. I pray that, that all that stuff would drift away, Lord, and I pray that we would find uh, that our relationship with you is what satisfies. So God, open up our hearts, open up our minds. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I've been ad adopted by God, and I get to enjoy some pretty incredible things. That's what we're talking about here today. So the first thing there, if you're taking notes there, it's, it's true intimacy with the Lord and a profound unity with all believers. All right, so let's work through these verses here. Let's unpack this. This is, uh, you know, starting in uh, 3 verse 26 here. This is what it says. It says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. All right, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, now that those of us in Christ, those of us who are saved, are sons of God, is it's it's an astounding pronouncement, right? It is it is wild. I mean, let's just again let's pull this apart a little bit here. Okay, that first part says that that we're all sons. Okay, all of us here who who know Jesus Christ, it says that we're all we're all sons. Now, now why are all of us? Okay, all of us considered to be sons, as opposed to sons and daughters. Like, I don't know, maybe some of the ladies in the room here are kind of thinking like, man, I'm getting gypped here. 
Like, what's with the sons thing? And I don't know, maybe you grew up with like Spice Girls and Girl Power and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, what's going on with you? You know, and she should at least mention, she should at least mention daughters here, right? But she didn't expect there to be a Spice Girls reference in the sermon. Oh, there was. All right, I think some of us here would, we would, pre- would prefer that we would go gender neutral on this at the very least, or at least, again, mention the idea of, uh, of daughters, sons and daughters. Let's get a little more inclusive here. But, but actually, to do that would really miss the meaning of the text. And really, it, it, it fails to understand the context of all of this here. See, back in, back in ancient times, back in these ancient cultures, in a lot of them anyways, daughters couldn't actually inherit property from their fathers. Okay, I'm not saying that that was right or good. That's just the way that it was back then, all right? Um, so when it actually uses the word uh, sons here, it's actually, you need to see it as a little bit less about the gender specifically and a more about the idea, the concept of a legal heir, more about a legal heir, okay? Again, a status that daughters back in these times, they weren't able to uh, have. That's just the reality of it uh, back then, And so if you put it all together with the rest of the verse, what does it say? It says, in Christ Jesus, we are all sons of God through faith. So it's saying that all of us, male and female, who are in the family uh, of God here in Christ through faith, are given now a new legal status. Okay, we're, we're now considered heirs. Heirs who receive salvation and we receive all kinds of of other benefits that we're going to kind of get to as we kind of go through here later. But it says that we're now sons. We are are legal heirs of of God himself, of of the king, the king of kings. We've been adopted as as his legal children. We've been brought into a family through Jesus Christ, into a family that we didn't at one point uh, belong to. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Right? That's sweet. Okay, and immediately here, Paul goes, kind of goes into and starts to give us a little sense here as to what kind of relationship with God that we've been uh, adopted into, what that relationship is supposed to, you know, look like and what that experience is supposed to be. And, and, you know, you can just kind of picture here if you were, you know, if you were adopted and maybe you were a little bit older and you were, you understood kind of what was happening here, you'd probably have some questions about this new family that you've been brought into. And you'd be wondering about your father. You'd be wondering, is, is he going to be a good father? Is, or, or, or is he going to be a tyrant? Is, is, there, is, is he going to love me? Is he going to care for my needs? Is, is, is he going to teach me some things? Is, you know, or is he going to be cold and, and distant and all of that? You know, so for us to have those questions about, about our God are, are perfectly you know, natural And so here's what Paul starts to say here, starting in verse 27. Take a look at that. He says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, okay, baptism, of course, is a a public declaration of your salvation. We just had four baptisms uh, last Sunday here in this room. Baptism is not salvation, all right? Baptism is a a declaration of a salvation that happened uh, at a previous uh, time here, all right? It's a sign that you have faith, which is what the, the word that the verse uses here. So for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, you've actually put him on. And so, so what Paul does is he actually paints this picture for us, okay, that, that when we get saved, we essentially put on Christ, much like how you would put on clothing, the clothing that you're wearing uh, here uh, today, 
All right, now think about it. Clothes, okay, think about that kind of picture here. Clothes are the, you know, the, the closest thing uh, to us physically. We wear them right up against our body, right up against uh, our skin. And the idea here is that this, that this relationship that we have with our adoptive father God is, is intimate, right? It's supposed to be this, this close relationship. We don't, we don't get adopted by God to be like, you know, he's our father and he kind of banishes us down into the, you know, into the cold, musty, dark cellar where he's up in like this amazing warm family room, you know, fires going, he's got some hot chocolate and we don't get to enjoy that. No, that's, that's not, you know, what it is at all. That's not the picture uh, at all. No, adopted, being adopted as his children means that we, we put on Christ. We have a close, we have a, we have a very intimate, loving relationship with him. He loves it. It's, it's supposed to be this picture of a deeply personal deeply personal relationship that, that you and I get to enjoy. We get to enjoy that. Okay, what else about clothes? Okay, we can continue to kind of go down that road. Clothes also give you, well, they give you a sense of identity, don't they? They give you a sense of identity. So my kids, they go to a school where they have to uh, wear uniforms. Those uniforms identify them as a part of that uh, specific school. You know, cultures everywhere, they have clothing that helps identify them as this ethnicity or from that country. So you go to Africa, for example, it's that, it's that beautiful, very colorful, free-flowing clothing. If you were a, you know, a woman from Japan, you might wear a, a kimono. If, you know, if you're from Keswick, I think you like came out of the womb wearing camo or something like that. All right, I think that's how that works. Right, you see someone with camo, you're like Keswick, Sutton, right, somewhere up in that area. Just kidding, love you Keswick, big time. Right, the point is here, clothes give us a, they give us a sense of identity, don't they? Right, and, and we put on Christ to, to show that our, our ultimate identity is found in him. Right, not in the things that we do, not in the things that we're good at or bad at, not in what people seem to think we are. Our identity is found uh, in Jesus Christ and in our God. Okay, what else about clothes? Well, our clothes serve as protection as well. You know, how many of you woke up and didn't realize that there'd be snow on the ground? That was me. I was one of those, right? And so you probably threw on a coat, right? A little bit chilly uh, on your way to church. So, so our clothes shield us from, from the elements. They also cover our nakedness and they cover our shame. Pretty glad that everyone's wearing clothes here today. No laughter at that one. All right. Right? In the same way, though, we put on, we put on Christ who, who shields us. He protects us from things like our enemy who wants to continually come after us and attack us and shoot arrows at us and all of those kinds of things. He, he protects us from that. He covers our, our, our sin and, and our shame. Okay? All of that to say that when God adopts us into his family through his son, Jesus Christ, we, we get to enjoy real, actual, true intimacy with our Lord. He doesn't keep us at arm's length. He's not like, yeah, you're in the family now, but don't expect to get very close to me. Right? That's not, that's not the way it works uh, at all. And so you need to, we need to, as a church, we need to, as believers, teach ourselves this when we begin to allow feelings to lead us. Right? Well, I don't feel very close to the Lord. I feel like there's distance. Well, maybe there's some sin that's caused some of that. But you also need to remind yourself of the gospel that God is your father, 
You have been adopted. I get to enjoy true intimacy with the Lord. So again, that's something we need to teach ourselves about. Remind yourself of the gospel. Preach that to yourself. Yeah, I know I f- maybe feel that there's some, some distance there, but the reality is, the truth is, I've been adopted into this awesome relationship where the heavenly father is, is my father. He is my God, and I get to enjoy that intimacy. It also goes to show us here that, that God's intention when it comes to our relationship with him is that, is that it would always be you know, about way more than what we as the church or we as believers often make our Christian walk all about. Right? Like how much is the church and us gagging on the idea of compartmentalizing our faith? Right? I allow God into certain areas of my life, but other areas of my life, no, that's for me. Right? I've got like my family time, I've got my work time, I've got, you know, I'll give, I'll give the Lord an hour or two on Sundays for sure, but, but other than that, it's, it's kind of about me, and we compartmentalize all that. The Lord's supposed to be Lord of, of all of it. <clears throat> our, our walk with him is also way more, about, more, uh, more than just about this mechanical, wooden, boring kind of rules-following obedience. A relationship with him isn't supposed to be you know, kind of casual and too loosey-goosey where we're not taking seriously his, his holiness and, and the reality of sin. It's not supposed to be distant. Our walk with him is not supposed to be like kind of God on the back, uh, back burner kind of thing. I'll get to it when I feel like get, getting to it. No, we're supposed to be close to him. We're supposed to be truly in love with the Lord. Emotions deeply involved and engaged with all of this and loving that, right? True intimacy, can you say honestly that that is what your walk is all about? Can you say that that's, well, yeah, it's, it's not perfect. Of course, we would all say that our walk's not perfect. But would you sense that, yeah, there's some growth in this. As I look back on, on the past number of, of months or a year or years or whatever, yeah, there's been a, a growth in all of those things. It's what our adoption by God invites us to enjoy and to experience. Okay, there's something else here that we get to enjoy because of our adoption. And that's a profound unity with believers. Take a look at the verse here, verse 28. Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now remember, we talked about this, we've talk, been talking about it all the way through, but remember the Galatian churches in this region here, they were, they were really struggling with, with falling into this sense of, of elitism, you know, this sense of nationalism and, and even racism here. And, and Jews, they just flat out consider themselves superior to Gentiles. And they're like, we're better because, you know, we have the law and we follow the law and we try to obey the law. And so you Gentiles, yeah, that's great that you got saved and you're trusting Jesus. But if you really want to be great, if you really want the Lord to love you the way that he loves us, then you need to add works to your repertoire. You need to also, you need to also follow the law. And so Paul, the way through this, he's been like, no, right? No, that's not, that's not what it's about at all. In Christ, we are all equal, we're all equal. There's, no, there's not, no, no Jew nor Greek. There's no slave nor free, male and female. You're all one, is what he's saying here. Now, that doesn't mean that, that there's no distinctions between people and between, you know, there, there are class distinctions, there are ethnicity distinctions and gender distinctions and, you know, all of that type of thing, uh, for sure. That's fine, 
But what he's saying here is that all believers everywhere who are saved by Jesus Christ, we're unified. We're unified. Now here's what Tim Keller has to say about it. We got this quote on the screen for you. He says, the gospel has radical social implications. It means that I am a Christian before I am anyone or anything else. It means that all the barriers that separate people in the world into warring factions come down in Christ. Okay, what this is saying, it means that, that Christians, us as the church, we should, be, we should be really leading the charge here within our walls and then ultimately out in society as we go out and we have an impact as the Lord is working in us, leading the charge in the sense that, for example, white is not better than black. Okay, or, or that the, you know, the upper middle class are not better than, you know, for example, those in low-income housing. Or that men are not superior to women. Right? We are to understand this as God's adopted children better than anybody. We must be leading. We must be taking a stand on all of this. Okay, but we just love to create barriers. We love to erect walls and, 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 and these classes and these you know, inferior you know, subgroups and, and all of that. Again, it was just uh, a couple of weeks ago that we, I, I spent some time talking about racism and, and how there's just no room for that in the church. And I was um, kind of floored by some of the response to all of that and, and, and some people coming up and talking to me about it and, and sending me emails just saying how much they appreciated that we would talk about that in the church. But at the same time, how much that has uh, really rubbed a sore spot for them. And the question is, well, why? And the answer is, well, because at least on some level, it may be subtle, they still feel racism. They still feel it. It, it might be subtle. It might be in the way we joke and we think it's really funny, but it might be in the way that we kind of separate us from ourselves and we only hang out with the same people and the same uh, ethnicity as us and we don't, we don't let those walls come down and we don't blend in the way that we should. Right, the church has to be different in all of this. We make differences in people and separate over uh, issues of money. People who, you know, make more money often in churches, you know, carry all the power. That's so sad. It's so sad. And it's wrong, right? And why, why do we do that? Why do we see people with, with more money or, or as more superior? Sometimes it does go the opposite, though, and we, we, we distrust people just because they have money, and that's not right either. Why do we do that? I mean, this whole idea of men being superior to women is, is brutal and so not biblical. And I mean, all you need to do is just, you know, uh, pop open Twitter and look online and see the complete gas can that Hollywood is right now and the Harvey Weinsteins and, you know, all of those people because uh, women are treated terribly and treated horribly, right? This cannot be happening in the church. It can't be, and if it is, if any of this is happening, it shows that we don't understand the gospel, right? We don't get it. We don't understand our, our adoption because, listen, understand this. No one is superior to another. No one is. Why? You might be asking, well, why? Why is that the case? Well, because of two very staggering realities. First of all, sin. Sin levels the playing field, right? We're all there. We're all sinners. We are, apart from Jesus Christ, we're all on the path towards hell, you don't have some people headed there more 
That's not the way that it works. We think of that in our mind because we see someone outwardly doing worse things than we think we do. But at the end of the day, we're all headed for hell apart from Jesus Christ. That's what the scriptures say. We're all in the same boat headed in the wrong direction. Right? That's one, one reality. We're all guilty. Second one, in Christ, we've all been adopted. Right? We've been adopted. We've all received, and we all receive the same incredible benefits uh, from, from being one of God's chosen as, as heirs of the promise that was made originally to Abraham there, that we would be forgiven from our sin and freed from, from the bondage of our sin. Right? I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. That's just not the way it works. In Christ, through our adoption by the Father, we get to enjoy this profound unity with each other that is so great, regardless of the the surfacy differences that we tend to allow to divide us. Listen, do you have a willingness to rub shoulders with people who are different than you? Look, I get it. We're naturally attracted to people that have the same interests, people that have you know, the same look and same age and same, same, same. I get all of that. But, but do we have a willingness to look beyond that? And, and, and to connect with people and to disciple people and to be discipled by people, enjoy the unity that, that God has created the church to be simply because the gospel has captured your heart. Right? The gospel is like, wow, wow this is amazing what the Lord uh, has done. The gospel is driving me to love well. I want to I love everybody regardless of whether they're like me or whether they're incredibly different than me. When the gospel is grabbing us, that's when that uncommon community we spent you know, so much time talking about earlier, that's when that becomes incredible. That's when that becomes amazing. That's when the church becomes this unique, uh, unreal place that, that people outside are looking at. Like, wow, why are those people so different? And why do they seem to have this thing going on? It's because we're free of, of self-righteousness. I'm better than you or whatever. We're free of this judgmentalism that we so have in our hearts and sometimes comes out of our mouths. We're, we're free of slander. We're free of the things that divide us because we know that we've been adopted. We've been adopted. And God's love is, is for all of us to enjoy. All right, second thing that our adoption means that we get to enjoy, love this too, all right, freedom from slavery to the law and, and, and confidence in being an heir. Confidence in being an heir, this is so great. Take a look at for, uh, 4 verse 1. Okay, and Paul gives an illustration here of, of a child growing up into, uh, into adulthood. Take a look, he says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different uh, from a slave. Okay, though he's the owner of, of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Okay, so, so think ancient Rome here. In ancient Roman times, a young boy was essentially no different than a slave in the sense that he had people in authority over him, right? That's, that's the kind of the way that it, it worked. But when the boy grew up and at a date that was kind of determined by his, his father, he would become a man, He'd become a man, and at that point, he would be given the full rights uh, and responsibilities of being an adult, and he could receive uh, his inheritance. Okay, so understand all of that context here. Keep going, verse 3. Paul says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, all right, so he's talking about God's people now under law, Okay, before Christ came, this is what he says. He says, we, we were, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. 
We'll get to that next week. Okay, but when the fullness of time had come, so at the time that God the Father had decided, he had predetermined, he decided it was right, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive, there's the word, adoption as sons. Okay, so remember, last week we spent our time talking about the law. What's the purpose of the law? What's, all, what, what's that all about? How am I supposed to relate to it and understand all of that? Well, the purpose of the law was to show us that we've got sin in our lives. Where we've got sin and, and, and the problem is deep and we can't fix it. And so the idea being like the first commandment, have no other gods before me. You and I should, should hear that and, and realize, oh no, right? This is, this is a bad scene. I have so many gods, so many things that I love, that I worship, that I find more valuable and more important than the one true God. I, my, my heart operates that way. And why do I love other things and want other things more? It should be like a wake-up call, a siren to us that, listen, we are in, we are in trouble. Okay, the law shows us that we're lawbreakers. That's what it really does. It condemns us as sinners and reveals our need for a rescue. It reveals how desperately we need salvation. But when the fullness of time had come, at the right time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to fulfill the demands of the law. We couldn't. We couldn't obey any of them. Jesus came and he fulfilled them for us in our place. He died in our place as well to be the sacrifice once and for all to redeem us from the sin that the law helps us realize that we have in our hearts. Right? That's what Jesus did. And so the law, if you want to look at it this way, it was our guardian. All right? It was our manager until the right time, until Jesus could come and set us free from all of that. Now we have freedom from that slavery, from our slavery to the law. It doesn't, it doesn't manage us anymore. And, and it's certainly not our system of salvation. You know, obedience to it doesn't save us. That was never uh, the intention at all, though we got really twisted up about that. Right? We're free. We are slaves no more. That's something that you and I, listen, we should find a ton of enjoyment in that. Right? That is an awesome thing. You don't have to try and get God to like you or approve of you through your obedience or through your morality. He loves you because of Jesus, right? And, and, and his love will never, ever, 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 ever fail you. And next week, we're gonna look at how even though we are free and that is the standing that we get to enjoy, our tendency is to kind of revert back to as though we are slaves, right? We all, we all drift, we all kind of slide back into that in all kinds of different ways. But for now, verse six, take a look. It says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Okay, that God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, is amazing. Right, this is incredible. And what you really see here is the roles of the Trinity, the roles of the Godhead in, you know, on display here. Okay, so whereas Christ the Son, right, he, he secures our, our, our freedom from sin and slavery, the Holy Spirit gives us this, this incredible ability to, to emotionally connect with the reality that we've been adopted by uh, God our Father. Right, you see the Trinity at work there. Now, Abba, maybe you've heard this before and you've studied this. Abba means Papa. 
It means, it means daddy. And it's this very childlike, deeply personal and, and intimate way that we now can refer to our God. Now, don't you find that there's something just so, so great about watching little young kids uh, relate to their father? Don't you love to watch that? And you've seen videos of it. You've probably experienced that in your own families. And maybe you remember what it was like to, you know, be so enamored with your daddy, right? Little kids, they, what do they want? They just want to be near him all the time, right? Think of my little kids. You know, Karis is always coming up to me like, can we snuggle? I'm like, yes. Like, I don't care what else I was doing. Like, that's happening right now, right? You want to do that. They always, they want to be tickled. They, they, want, to, they want to wrestle. My boy wants to wrestle all the time. He wants to be close. He wants to be, he wants to be laughing constantly. And when they're scared, what do they do? They cry out. They cry out. We see that word in the text there. We cry out when we're, we're scared. Why? Because we, they, they trust their dad. And they think that my dad will protect me. My dad will come to my rescue. He will, he will draw near to me. He's going to express his love and tell me that everything's okay. He's going to protect me. Right? They have this incredible, kids, they have this incredible confidence in their dad, in the, in the relationship that they have there. They don't, they don't spend time, any time doubting whatsoever. Their dad's throwing them up in the air and spinning them around and almost making them sick, dizzy. They're not, they're not worried that their dad's gonna slip and, and let go. That's mom. She can worry about all of that. Right? Kids are like, this is the best. Right? Throw me higher, daddy, higher. Right? Why don't they worry about it? Because that's my dad. Right? That's my dad. They think, they think their dad's bulletproof. He's the strongest man around. My dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> Nothing bad's going to happen. Listen, that's the confidence that you and I have with our adoptive Father God. We are his heirs. Too many Christians, though, listen, too many Christians do not have this kind of confidence. We don't have that confidence with our God. And why do you think that is? I think a big part of it, as we've been talking about this all the way through, is that we don't, we don't really understand the gospel. We haven't really grasped it. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not really great at, you know, thinking this thing through. We think that it's, a, it's something for Sunday school, for kids. Get them into the kingdom. But now I move on to deeper doctrines or, or something like that. That's, that's what we tend to think. We don't, we don't think through the implications. We don't, we don't continue to go back to this reality that's supposed to set us free for all of life and to, and to propel us forward in our understanding of what life is all about. We, we, don't, we don't think through it all of what our adoption means and, and the type of relationship that we actually have. And so we, we relate to God as, as something else, something less than he actually is. And we, we lack confidence and, and we don't trust him. Here's, here's the awesome thing about all of this though. The Lord knows that we're not good at this. Right? He's not like, guys, figure it out, dummies. Right? I love you. That's not what God's saying. Right? He gets that we're weak. He knows that we drift away from understanding that our God is awesome, that he is our father. He totally gets it. That's why he says here, that's why he sends the spirit of, the, of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He's like, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to help you out with all of this. I know that you don't quite get it here, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He is the one who's going to give you that confidence. He is the, the one who's going to make that emotional connection for you with your father. 
He's the one who's going to help you understand just how much he loves you and how much he is for you and he is in your corner and all of that. Listen, you've got nothing to worry about. The Holy Spirit is powerful and and he's going to show you this, that yeah, your life is going to be hard. You're going to have all kinds of ups and downs, but guess what? God is with you. He's got your back. He is your dad. He is your Abba. He is your father. You are an heir of that God, the God of the universe. Listen, thinking through the gospel as we've talked about here um, in this series so far and, and, and preaching the gospel to ourselves is, it, it, it's not just a, you know, a mental exercise that we have to like ascend to to try and like rework some brain patterns and functions or something like that. No, it's, it's something that the Holy Spirit uh, makes profoundly intimate. He allows our hearts to can really connect with this. And again, he makes it emotional where, where you grow confident in your Lord, where you desire that connection and you want to be close to him and you love him and you are infatuated by him and all of that is driving your entire life. Where you begin to love the fact that God is your adoptive father and you love that you are his adopted child. So listen, if you want, you know, one major takeaway here as we kind of close our time together, it's listen, pray for this, right? Pray for this. The Holy Spirit has been given to you to help you in this. If you sense that, yeah, I'm just not really making an emotional connection and I don't really care about the gospel and I always forget about it and it doesn't really matter to me and I'm finding, you know, my identity in other things and, you know, I'm, I don't trust the Lord and I'm not confident in all of that and, you know, life seems to be like kind of a mess. Well, listen, pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would help you. That's what he's been given to you for. He wants to help you. He will help you. That is the entire point. We need to pray. Lord, would you help me with this? Would you help me to love that you are my God, you are my Father, and I am your child?